welcome back, readers and romance seekers, to Hopelessly Romantic Behind the Page. Yeah, yeah, I know, I keep trying to come back and falling off the face of the earth, but I am trying. I, I know I'm trying. You probably thought I might have lost it again. <laughs> but hey, you know what? Kids on winter break right now, so I've been busy. And there has been a lot going on. So yeah, long story short, parenting is hard. And I have no idea how other family podcasters do it. I am forever in their awe. But that's not the only reason. Um, To be really upfront with it, the one big reason that I, I just basically ran out of juice in the tank. It wasn't exactly burnout, but um, I had a big problem that was getting in the way of running a book review podcast. And that problem was basically I was hating the things I was picking up. I think Captive Prince did a number on me, that's for sure. I have a little bit of regret, not because I read it, but because I don't think I approached it correctly. There's a lot I wish I'd known about it before going in, but that is simply a result of my don't research until it's read rule. These days, more often than not, I'm making snap judgments on what books I pick up based on covers and titles. There is a reason I judge the covers in the final score. They do a lot to get my attention for these books. And honestly, that's what brought us to Ice Planet Barbarians. I had heard of the book series before thanks to TikTok, but I wasn't particularly keen on picking it up. Well, joke's on me. That's when I saw the cover in the bookstore, and like I said in my review, it is positively stunning. I I just couldn't resist it. I came home and sat on the to-be-reviewed space on the Hopelessly Romantic bookshelf with the others, and it sat, and it sat. I was busy with other things, and finally I got sick of not doing something that I genuinely loved, reading and reviewing books, so I made the resolution to finally pick it up. And I am so glad I did. It was such a fun read. I'll get into it in a minute, but I did have another book planned to review. It has been on the to-review shelf for longer than Ice Planet Barbarian, so I picked that up. And I hated it. Three pages in, I hated everything about it. Just something in my soul said that I would not continue the podcast if I forced myself to read this book. And that's when it struck me why I was struggling to get these episodes done. I had picked that particular book as a sort of, I guess we'll call it backup, to what I was going to read. There were, in fact, two books that I had tried to read before I finally got Ice Planet Barbarians, and this one was a Harlequin. Um, it had a silly premise, just like the rest of them, and I did read that one, all the way front to back. And... While I wouldn't call it terrible, there were just a lot of parts of the novel that just didn't sit right with me. It was just, eh. I, I'm not going to tell you the title of either of these because it's not fair to the authors because it, this is probably purely my own opinion. It's my own impression. And it's not fair to them for me to go, this was terrible just because I think it was. Um, So I, I was really struggling. Had it not been for Ice Planet Barbarians, I might not have gotten back to the podcast. I just wasn't having fun, and I'm here for fun. Sure, I know that I'm going to run into some of the stinkers. That's what the shelf of shame is for, after all. But the stinkers, at the very least, made me feel something, other than apathy or just general distaste. 
they still engage with me on some level other than just making me tired. It actually kind of reminds me of this one post I've come across a few times where an art teacher was explaining to their student that he didn't like their submitted project. And the way to improve said project was to make him hate it. And that's what the shame books do. I hate them, but it's still fun. When I read those last two books before Ice Planet, I I hated them, but not in that fun way. It was just like, ugh, really? Um, the, the way to do it is to get me to feel something in my soul. Because obviously, I did have a problem here. The books on the shelf of shame, with maybe the exception of Cold Case Colorado, they were still very fun to read in a different way that than any of the others that just made me tired. And the dreaded triple C gets away with it because it was the first true stinker and I hadn't been sick of the bad ones yet. I cut my teeth on the Harlequins and the mass markets doing this podcast. However, I've noticed that the pattern that when I pick one up, I just tend to feel so tired. I'm already tired doing my regular daily routine. I want to have some fun. I found myself looking through the non-mass market romances more and more these days. If I hadn't, I would have never found the vast majority of our Gold Star novels. I've got 10 on the Gold Star shelf, and maybe three of those are mass market. Meanwhile, I've only got four on the shelf of shame, and three of those are Harlequin. I really do like the fact that it's easier to land on my Gold Star shelf than the shelf of shame, It's great that there are so many novels that I've genuinely loved and proof that authors have to work to get me to put them on the shelf of shame. It is not hard to make me apathetic about a novel that is one of the worst sins you could commit, but actual distaste, even hatred, like in that I can't believe this is happening kind of way, that's hard. So I will probably keep away from the mass markets for a while and stick to the other side of the romance section. In my bookstore, there is the non-mass markets and the the mass markets. So I'm going to stick to one side more. The downside here is that the non-mass market books are way more expensive. So, um, hey, I've got a Patreon. (laughs) Um, But anyway, this is what leads us to Ice Planet Barbarians. This novel was fun in so many ways, and it really helped me understand what was wrong with my process. It drove home the fact that I want to have fun, and fun is really easy when you've got a very silly book about aliens being rescued by a native population, and it turns out they're all compatible in more ways than one. Yes, I am calling the humans aliens here because that's how it is. The humans are in fact aliens to the planet of Nahoth, so that's what I'm going with. Ice Planet Barbarians is really an exercise in what I'm going to consider simply as context. I've talked about this a little bit before now, thanks to Captive Prince, but it's been a hot minute, so we can talk about it a little bit more. I'm willing to forgive a lot, and I mean a lot, when we consider the context of the novel that we're reading. When it came to Captive Prince, I was extremely uncomfortable with a lot of the subject matter, but when you consider the context of a larger story, it can land a little bit softer. That's not to say that my opinion on Captive Prince has changed, but I need to understand that there's more going on than what I saw. Going back to Ice Planet Barbarians, we get a scenario that by all accounts might seem a little non-consensual to some readers, and I don't deny that. The setup starts as Georgie is unconscious, and Vectal is happily resonating away with the appearance of his quote-faded mate. 
In his background, his experience, his attentions to Georgie would not be unwelcome. And Georgie also does not say no when she comes to. She's okay with riding this wave and experiencing the pleasure it's giving her. I'm also willingly willing to concede that this scene might not have left a different taste in my mouth had it not been for what immediately followed. When Vectal wants to actually have proper sex with Georgie, she objects and Vectal listens. He does not just keep going the way we would expect an alien thriller romance to go. He backs off and doesn't force her to do anything that she doesn't want to do. When I say I forgive based on context, this is what I'm talking about. This isn't about fated mates or genetic compatibility. Vectal has his traditions and culture, and he does not force himself on Georgie with the understanding that she might not have any damn clue what's happening to her. Like I said in my review, this is what sold me on Ice Planet Barbarians. I was dubious to everything right up into this moment, and then I was all aboard the ship, let's go. Context matters, consent matters, and I'm here for it. And it also doesn't hurt that Vectal, having never seen a clitoris in his life, is able to understand, based on Georgie's reactions, what it's for and does not neglect it. Alright, okay, I've I've been here for a little bit, so we can go ahead and move on to what Heather is reading this week. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a minute. So I've read a few things between our last episode, so I can kind of give a general list of some of the things that I have been reading. First up. We've got This Is How You Lose the Time War by Amal El Motar and Max Gladstone. This was a really fun and quick read, told in correspondences between two opposing agents from organizations trying to shape time for their own purposes. I don't want to say too much because it's really good, and I want you to read it for yourself. Just know that I loved it. Then we've got An Enchantment of Ravens by Margaret Rogerson. This wasn't as fun as Time War, but it was still an enjoyable read. This one's about a painter who does portraits for the fair folk, and we're sort of implying that they are fae, but they're very different from the fae that I might recognize. She does a portrait for the Prince of the Autumn Court, and that's when everything goes pear-shaped for her, and him. I did like it, but I feel like more time could have been spent on certain plot points. It felt like it just ended, and we didn't get really much of a falling action slope, but that's my own personal opinion. Ooh, and I finally got to read Bookshops and Bone Dust by Travis Baldry. This is a prequel to Legends and Lattes, which we all know that I loved. It follows Viv, our favorite coffee-selling orc, as she's beginning her career as a mercenary. She gets laid up with an injury and is stuck in a small town where she befriends the local bookseller. I enjoyed Bookshops and Bone Dust, but not as much as Legends and Lattes. Fear not, though, I still thought it was a wonderful book. And I'll end with the book that I am currently reading, and that's The Nine Cloud Dream by Kim Manjung. This is a 17th century Korean novel, considered to be the jewel of Korean literature. It tells the story of a Buddhist monk who is tempted by eight immortal fairies, and as punishment for straying from his master's teachings, he has to be reincarnated as the most ideal of men. The copy that I have is from Penguin Random House, translated by Heinz Insu Fenkil. I think I said that decently well enough. And it was a gift from my technical advisor. He was pretty excited for me to read it. And I'm still going through it since I don't have an audiobook and it's a little chunky. But it's essentially the story, it's about a man's journey to understand life and its illusions. What really stuck out to me is that it takes place in ancient China, not Korea. 
but the translators and academics explain that this is because the author, Kim Manjung, used ancient China in the way that Western authors would use medieval European settings as a more mystical backdrop for their stories. I really enjoy it so far, even if I don't fully understand all of the references that are being thrown my way. And there's a lot, so much so that there's even an index in the back of the book that explains most of them, not unlike a translated version of a Shakespeare play. And finally, I guess I'll end with, how's my book going? (laughs) You might remember that I was talking about writing a book, and then I intended to use this section to talk about my process. Well, the damn thing is done. Uh, sorry about that. That was another thing that sucked up a lot of my time. I just wanted to get it finished. It's been through my edits, and I'm more or less done with it. I know that there's a lot that could be improved, but if I keep working on it, it will never be done, and I'll never write another book. Is it where I want it to be? No. Am I proud of it? Maybe. Could I do better? Well, I'm not going to know until I write another one. But the crux of it is, is I finished Moonlight Bound around October, and I even printed it out to put it on my bookshelf. The next question is how I want to publish it. I think I finally decided on a serialization approach. After all, that's what got Ruby Dixon and her Ice Plate of Barbarians off the ground. And it will give me time to work on my next novel, as well as share my writing. And I might even be able to tweak it a little bit here and there as I go on. The other thing is, is this is an erotica novel. No question about that. I could just throw it up on Amazon in one big chunk like so many authors do, or try to find an agent in a severely saturated market. Who am I kidding? Everything's saturated. But if I let that stop me, then I had no business writing the book in the first place. But that's why I wanted to go with serialization. I can gain readers, experience, and time. And if I don't do anything now, I won't ever, so it'll probably go up next year. I'll let you know when and where and when I do. And if you are curious, there is a second book. I actually started it during NaNoWriMo this year, but a lot happened in November in our family, and I was already struggling with it. I decided that it was better to walk away for a minute than to force out garbage. And then the weirdness with the NaNoWriMo boards came out, and I just kind of lost my taste for the organization overall. But there is a novel, a very, very early stages Baby Steps novel, but it is there. And that's where I'm going to leave you today. I hope you join me next week when we read Royal Holiday by Jasmine Guillory. Thank you for joining me, readers and romance seekers, and I hope to see you once again for Hopelessly Romantic. If you like the show, please visit us at hopelesslyromanticpodcast.com. If you have questions or want to recommend a read, please email us at contact at hopelesslyromanticpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash hopelesslyromantic. Do you like my voice? I'm selling my vocal work on Fiverr now. You can visit my profile at fiverr.com slash heathersongster. The show is written and produced by me, Heather Songster. Our technical advisor is Kwang Hyun Cho. Hopelessly Romantic is an HWK production. And it doesn't matter what you read, only that it's what you love.